But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me, like always, the president, Steve Denhartog. What's up, everybody? Good to be back with you today. Yeah, we, uh, we've been off a little bit, but uh, we got some good things coming up here yeah. at Bridge Radio. Uh, again, we've been busy uh, last couple weeks. We're you know getting all the, the Spanish conference going, um, so that took a lot of time here. And then just a transition from this building to the new building and you working super hard and taking care of that it's just and you're finishing up a uh, seminary. seminary so degree. that's been taking a lot of stuff going on a yeah. lot of stuff going on so we, we we haven't been on and but we got some uh guests coming on that you guys will be super excited uh, i can't make those announcements yet because yeah. we are just finalizing those guests but uh steve uh again can we just get a little bit more update on what's happening with the building we you, you got know, yeah, so, so we've got the building, as you know, and we are in the process of getting that finished off. So we've got the, uh, the metal studs up and the electrical wiring done. We're going to be getting the uh, drywall or the uh, sheetrock put up, mm. hopefully in another week or so, and uh, then get it painted and we can move forward. And Lord willing, we'll be able to move in early next year sometimes. So. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I am super excited for the new location. And so again, thank you for thank you, everybody. Um, for helping out the ministry. Uh, again, we can't do this without God first. Amen. But again, God uses you guys to to give to the ministry. God uses means. God uses means uh, to get those ends done. Yep. And uh, again, we have a lot of just things coming up here for Bridge, especially seminary, a bigger facility, uh, some just other things that I just can't mention right now because we don't know if they're going to happen or not, but really exciting. Well, and the, the, Spanish. the Spanish. The Spanish is really idea. taking off, which is what I'm really excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio. And please visit our website at bridgeminlaredo.org. And again, we're also on Spotify now. Well, today, guys, we have an in-house guest, a local uh, we are going to be going through uh, his first book called Biblical Christian Fundamentals, The Foundation Tr Truth of the Christian Faith by Thomas Ramirez III. Um, and uh, we had a book signing today we here, yeah. and we are excited to have the author uh, here with us today. Um, so he's going to be able to uh, tell us a little bit about his book, and we'll introduce you to him here soon. Yeah. So for anybody who's interested in in just learning about the fundamentals of the faith, I think this is a great book. It's a great book. And again, you can purchase it here at Bridge uh, uh, here in Laredo. But we uh, again, I know that it's in other parts, but we'll let the author go go ahead and tell Absolutely. us later on where you can purchase the book. So, uh, Steve, why don't we get this podcast started? Let's do it. So, again, uh, we have Thomas Ramirez III. He is a, a conservative Bible student who has been teaching the scriptures and supplies preaching since 1997. Uh, a family man devoted to daily studies of the Holy Bible, Ramirez uh, has fresh insight into the foundational truth of God's Holy Bible that all people need to know. 
welcome Thomas Ramirez III to Bridge Radio for the first time. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. You guys have been very warm and inviting, and I want to thank you all for the privilege of being able to be here today and talk about one of my favorite subjects, if not my favorite, that is the Word of God. Amen. Oh, amen. Awesome. So, Tommy, uh, can you just tell uh, a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to Saving Faith? Uh, my pleasure. I grew up in the little town of Hebronville, which is not very far from Laredo. Mm. So I married a girl from Laredo. All right. And so I've been in this part of the world my whole life. I'm 56 years old today, and I don't feel a day over 30. Mm. Um <laughs> But I grew up in a very predominantly Catholic environment mm. where religion was was really the number one uh, dominant thing that was in my family's life, uh, especially on my mother's side growing up. And I was taught that adherence to that religion is going to endear me to God, and God is going to be happier with me the more I adhere to the rules and regulations of religion. So I went through uh, my youth following those rules, trying to be a pleasing young individual with God. But as I grew up in that environment, I always had questions in my mind that never really could get answered. And I would talk to my mom about all kinds of things. I really had a good relationship with my mother, and I still do to this very day. And uh, we don't get a lot of Bible in the Catholic Church. Mm. What we get are Missalette readings. Mm -hmm. So you'll normally get two readings from the Missalettes, and one gospel reading in every church service. And they typically will rotate the same scripture passages oh, every four or five years or so. You'll start to come back and see those same little passages again. So I didn't know much about a Bible other than what I saw in those Missalette readings back in those days. And so I would go home and ask my mom little questions like, Hey, Mom, I know it's Lent season and we're not supposed to be eating meat on Friday, but didn't Jesus say that what you eat doesn't defile you. Mm. It's what comes out of your heart. Then mm. uh, why can't we eat meat again? And I never, ever got good answers to my little questions. And so I always had little concerns. And as I graduated from high school and I went off into college, I eventually went to go live with an uncle of mine for a half a summer in the, in the valley in Edinburgh, mm. who was strict Jehovah's Witness. Oh, wow. And he said, I want you to know something, uh, son. You don't, you don't know anything about the truth about God. You've been raised in an environment that teaches you everything all wrong. Um, but lucky for you, you're going to be here with us, and I've got it all, and I'll be able to share the real truth with you so you can oh, get wow. it and understand it. And so I said, hey, Theo, that sounds fine to me. I would love to be able to, to sit in on your meetings. I want to, to know the truth, and if the truth leads me to where you're at, then I'm all for it. Let's go. So I spent that half a summer going to their meetings, and um, most weekends I would go to Hebronville, so I wouldn't go to their weekend services. But I would be there for their weekly meetings. And when the meetings were over, he would always come and ask me, so do you have any questions? Did you understand? Well, yeah, so let me see. You're telling me that God is a God of love. Yeah. And you're telling me that God doesn't want anybody to suffer. Yeah. And God's all-powerful, right? Yeah. So why did he drown everybody in a flood? <laughs> why did he burn in Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone? I don't understand that. If he could have just said, you know, you don't exist anymore and snap and they're gone. Mm. Why? Why? And he had no answers for me either. Wow. And I had lots of little questions like that. And again, in those days, I knew nothing about a Bible. Yeah. And then I would hear some people on the radio and they'd be telling me something totally different. So at about 1995, more or less, I threw my hands up in the air, and I remember I was watching TV alone in my home in San Antonio, 
My wife was, I don't know, in the bathroom or bathing or sleeping. I don't know. But I was alone in the, in the family room. And I finally, in frustration, I cried out to God and I said, God, I know there can only be one truth. I know there can only be one truth. Yeah. Everybody cannot be right. You can't be red, green, and blue all at the same time. Yeah. It just it doesn't work that way. So you have to be a God of logic and order. You've given me a mind by your grace that grasps and learns quickly. I'll make a deal with you. You teach me out of the Bible. You teach me. And then I'll go wherever your word says to go. So is Jesus God? I don't know. Is there a heaven for real? I don't know. Is there a hell for real? I don't know. I don't know nothing you teach. Hmm. And But if we do this, I told him, I want to know the Bible in the end better than I know anything. Yeah. And I was a pretty darn good engineer with mobile oil. Hmm. And by the grace of God today, I'm a pretty darn good lawyer, at least so they <laughs> tell me. But I went through the Bible with note cards in hand, and I went through slowly. It probably took me a little over two years hmm. to go through that whole Bible cover to cover. And lo and behold, if I didn't become a Baptist. <laughs> and that's then that's how that worked out. And I've been studying the Bible systematically ever since. And I think God honored that prayer because I think I know the Bible better than I know anything. Well, there you go for our Baptist friends here in Texas. There yeah. you go. <laughs> but um, this right. Presbyterian won't say anything. Yeah, the, yeah, we'll the, just... <laughs> yeah, the Presbyterian won't say anything. This we're, we're, f- we're really close kissing cousins. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Tommy, the purpose of this book, what, what? What's the reason for you to write this book? Well, you know, it's um, I've been teaching the Bible verse by verse, uh, going through the entire Bible for a long time, probably 1997, I guess is more or less when I started teaching it. And I started supply preaching in pulpits about that same time. But about 10 years ago, I got a I got a, a an urge and a feeling that I needed to write a book on the foundational truths of the faith mm. because there's so much variation as to what different people believe. Mm. And I just kept putting it off and I just kept putting it off. And finally at the beginning of 2020, which is about eight or nine years later, I finally gave into the calling and started writing on Sundays. Mm. And I said, okay, I'll write on Sundays. But the reason is because if you were to ask 10 people that say they're Christian about a certain aspect of God, you're going to get 10 different answers. And God is not that way. Mm. Now there there are many facets to who God is, and the Bible reveals certain of those facets. Others God keeps to himself, and we'll learn about later in eternity. But you can't have that much Bible ignorance. And that's the problem, is that I have found that most people in the United States and around the world are just ignorant of what the Bible says because they've never been taught the importance of it. So the purpose of this book, from my point of view, was to bring the truth of the Bible out into something that is really easy to read so that the basic and foundational truths of the faith can be known to anybody. That book is written so, well, maybe not a third grader, but fourth or fifth grade reader will be able to understand what's in that book, as well as somebody with a Ph.D., and it won't bore any of them. Yeah. As I am looking at your context in your in, in the book in, in the beginning, it's just like a little mini systematic theology. I love that you start with chapter one, salvation, the work of God and man are both. Chapter two, was man born original sin or merely with a tendency to sin? I mean, these are these are important things that we need to open up because, right, who are we and who is God? And uh, I just I just heard somebody say, um, um, I think it was Al Mohler, 
uh, recently, and he was saying that that we are living in the most religious time that we've ever lived because, like you said, people believe in God or some type of a God, you know, and everybody's like, oh, we live in a secular environment. It's like, no, we're becoming more religious and less secular. The question is, who is the God that you believe in? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think we're becoming more and more religious and less and less godly. Yes. And I think there's a huge difference between religion and relationship with God. I actually have a chapter in that book. It's chapter three, mm. which is my favorite chapter in that whole book. The whole purpose of that book is to, or as a whole, is to draw people to the foundational truths of God, but to make them understand that there is a huge difference between religion and a relationship with God. And God is calling us all to a relationship. God hates religion. Yeah, Religion pulls people away from God. The scary thing about religion, especially growing up in, in, the, in the environment that I grew up in, is if you get into a good religion that you feel very comfortable with, it will, it will set its boundaries for you. It will tell you what you can and cannot do. And as long as you're adhering to what the rules are, you leave a normal religious service and you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you get comfortable in your routine and your religion and you'll start walking down a path of ease and comfort because you know your religion's getting you where you want to be and it's making you feel good. Yeah. You're not about to have that apple cart upset by somebody coming in and says, you must be born again or else you can't see the kingdom of God. They're going to go, ho, 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 ho. I don't know what you're talking about, but my priest says this or my pastor says that. Or my rabbi says this, and I'm comfortable because that's exactly what I'm doing, and I yeah. believe them and not you because I know them and I don't know you. Yeah. What danger is that? What, it? it's, it's, a, it's a the gravest of dangers mm. because the hardest people to ever witness the truth to are the religious ones. Absolutely. They, they, won't, they won't move off of what they're comfortable with. Yeah. And, again, comfort is a danger. You know, uh, and, 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 again, this is where, I mean, first of all, we know that Jesus was the uh, – I want to say the most um, forward with his language to the religious people that we know were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? And he used very strong language towards them, right? He sure did. And we need to remember that. Yeah. There was not a, there was not a more devoted group to a religion than the Pharisees were to theirs. And the scribes along with them, and the Sadducees were a little more liberal, but they had theirs as well. Correct. Nonetheless, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Which yeah. which, which ought to have scared the heck out of everybody who heard that, because they must have thought, well, my goodness, those are the religious ones. They adhere to everything, and they can't get in? i got to exceed that? How's that going to happen? Yeah. And, and and again, you know, Jesus called them a whitewashed tomb on the outside, right, and empty on the inside, right? Because, and and again, it was, uh, and they couldn't see it. You know, we know why they couldn't see it because God, Jesus, would not allow them to see it. And and here's the thing: in just talking about religion, we're going to just talk about uh, if we can just talk a little bit more about what uh, your Catholic upbringing. Right. Uh, because this is important. And, and again, we live in Laredo. We live in South Texas. Catholicism just rules here 
in this town in South Texas, just in Latin America in general. That's right? correct. Uh, this is one of the works that we're trying to do to bring the gospel truth to the nations, uh, to the uh, Spanish speaking nation. You know, one of the things that I do find interesting is that because of religion, um, I, I, I believe this all, all, with all my heart, Jesus spoke about it. And I mean, one of the scariest uh, passages that we know in Matthew chapter seven, you know, that Jesus said that at that time, you know, people will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? And Jesus says to them, I declare with you to you that I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And the thing is, is that this important in, in that verse, which, you know, R.C. Sproul said it was one of the scariest verses that he's ever preached on because they call him Lord, Lord, a Hebrew idiom that we only see about 15 times in the whole Bible from, you know, from uh, the Old Testament to New Testament. And it shows a intimacy that they knew Jesus, but didn't know him. That, that's exact. I've preached on that exact same passage. That's in Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Mm-hmm. Um, that passage is a powerful passage mm-hmm. because that passage speaks to people who think that they're good with God. It speaks to the religious ones that we're talking about right now. Yeah. It speaks to people who think that they have got a relationship with God that will get them into heaven, only to find out later that they didn't get that they didn't make it in. Yeah. In fact, the name of that sermon that I preached is Lost and Surprised mm, wow. because they didn't realize until it was too late that the religion that they were adhering to could never reach the heavenly gates that they wanted them to reach. And within the passages that I just read, Jesus is giving them a warning. Yes. Cuz they're going back to him and saying, "Hey, I mean, he's given us an insight of the future conversation that he, that he's going to have with with whatever people that are saying well, Jesus, we did this in your name. We did this. We did this. We did this. And it's all works. You know, the question is, you know, Jesus, but does Jesus know you? Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that all of our works and righteousness are as filthy rags before his sight yeah. so that you cannot come to God and say, Lord, I did all these great works in your name. I did all these great works for you. Why are you not letting me into your kingdom? Jesus says, I never knew who you were. You never were born again. You didn't never have a relationship with me. You thought you were going to earn your way in by going to, you know, this particular event or going on this particular mission trip or doing this or doing that or adhering to whatever rules you th- you thought made you feel good. Religion will never get you there. It can't get you there. So, so Tommy, can you please just stress that for our listeners? We have a worldwide audience, okay, um, and we need to stress this, and I need you to stress this for them because. Again, there might be somebody right now listening who in the other side of the world, you know, because, again, we have people listening in China. We have people listening in Australia and Canada, in Europe, in, in Africa. What would you tell them about what religion does and does not do? Religion, I would tell anybody that I had a conversation with, religion will pull you to a place where you feel good and you feel comfortable. Mm but you're as dark and away from God, you just don't know it. Mm. Whereas a relationship with God will pull you into the light, into a relationship with God, but you may not be so comfortable. God may put you in some difficult situations and difficult positions as um, Joseph found out in the book of Genesis, as Moses found out as he's fleeing from Pharaoh, as Jeremiah found out as they're lowering him in cords into Mm -hmm. a miry, mucky, 
dungeon pit. God may put you in some uncomfortable places, but you have the light of Christ and the Prince of Peace walking alongside you. Religion will take you to a place where you're feeling that peace, but you never did have the light of Christ. And it is a scary and dangerous thing. Think about it this way. And, and again, I go into this a little bit in chapter three of, 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 uh, of this book, which I told you is my favorite chapter in yeah. this whole book. There is one religion in all planet Earth that God personally created himself. He wrote it with his own finger, the Bible tells us, and that's Judaism. But then as we go through Judaism, we find in the book of Hebrews that God says in the Old Testament, because the Hebrew writer reminds us, sacrifices and offerings thou wouldst not. Those don't work to get rid of sin. Well, then why are they even there? They're there to point us to one that God will have to bring, a sacrifice that God himself will have to bring to offer for the sins and the souls of men. That's why in Hebrews chapter number 10, there's a conversation recorded in Hebrews 10 that's found nowhere else in the Bible. Mm. It's between Jesus and God the Father, where Jesus tells the Father, sacrifices and offerings thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. You've prepared a body for me to be able to eradicate the sins that the sacrifices that you yourself have laid out can't get rid of. Mm. And if God's own religion can't save you, the one he penned under Moses, what on earth makes anybody think that the religion they adhere to is going to save them? Yeah, and it's kind of funny. I was just thinking right now, I am um, I am reading through Isaiah for my devotionals, and um it's amazing to me, right? We we see the sacrificial system, which is a symbol, a symbolism of our the Messiah to come, right? From the old to, but it's I find it when we're reading our Bible, right? This is why it's important to be reading our Bible, right? Correct. And one thing that uh, I was going through in Isaiah. Uh, chapter one, and, and you can get you guys can read the the first couple chapters, and I mean, actually, it's going up to just the uh, more four, uh, one, two, three, four, five, and we're, 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 what we're seeing is the warning that Isaiah is getting from our uh, from uh, from God about the disobedience of Israel. But when God has made His mind, when judgment comes, He says in chapter uh, one, uh, verse starting verse eleven, He's like. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of your burnt offerings and your ram and the fat calf of your uh, your cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lamb, or goats. When you come to, uh, to appear before me, you require your trampling of my courts. You bring your worthless offerings and no longer incense is an abomination to me. Your new boons, your Sabbath. Your, call, your calling of assembly cannot endure iniquity and the seldom assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They become a burden to me. That's exactly right. And the, and the scary thing ought to be, but wait a minute, God, didn't aren't you the one that said to do them all? And the answer is yes. However, those offerings that God called them to do were to be brought from the heart, exactly. not out of ritual and routine. Yep. It's like when I was a, a youth and I had to go to church. <laughs> it was my job to go to church. I had to. But if there was a good Dallas Cowboy football game that was starting at 12 noon, I didn't want to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. So to get around that, I would go to church on Saturday night. <laughs> and it didn't matter. As long as I went to church on Saturday and it was going to be in Spanish and maybe I understood 
85% of it and didn't understand 15, but who cares? <laughs> because I went to church anyway and I did my job. Yeah. But that's the problem is that the Hebrew people got into the routine of doing something with no heart behind it. And God says that doesn't do you any good. Now, even if they would have had all their heart behind it, that still couldn't have saved them because those offerings were designed to show them your sin brings death and you need a sacrifice that can actually wipe away your sin. The one that you're giving now just covers it up for a while. Yeah. And, and the Hebrew writer addresses this right in chapter 11. Why is it that those sacrifice mean something? Because they had faith. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And they had faith in God and Yahweh uh, as we look at the Old Testament. Uh, but, it was not actually those things that saved them. That's correct, and and I think that's important. It, so so it's supremely important. I'll I'll I'll, I'll take that a step further. Mm-hmm. Even the Old Testament saints, I get people that ask me on a fairly regular basis. So what's the difference between the way the Old Testament saints like Abraham were saved mm-hmm. and people like me and you today? Yeah, I said there's no difference. They said, well, of course there is. I said, no, there's not. I said, Abraham looked forward to the day that Jesus was going to die for him and eradicate his sin. You and I look at that same event. We just look backwards. That's why Jesus said in the gospel of John, Abraham saw my day and was glad. He was glad to see it. And so the Old Testament saints have put their faith in that same Messiah. Yeah. They may not have understood the intricacies that we understand today because we have a completed revelation of the Bible that they did not have. But nonetheless, they knew a Messiah was coming to save them. And they looked forward to it. And today we just look back at that exact same event. And Jesus says the same thing about Moses, right? He's, he's you know, uh, Moses, you know, uh, also was looking forward to that day. Mm-hmm. Jesus was very clear on that. Mm-hmm. I think that when I explain people the gospel truth, right, that it's me doing it. I got to remember that it's the God who does the work, you know, because yeah. because we have a passion for people who are lost, Right. Um, you know, if, I mean, if it's a family member, that even makes it even 10 times like, hey, let me show you who our Lord and Savior is. And and, and sometimes I'm like, wait, 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 hey, you need to slow down. This is not your doing. My job is to proclaim the truth to all nations, right, to our people, right, and let God do the work. And, uh, and I think you were talking that, about that a little bit outside when we were talking about it a little bit earlier. So let's just jump a little bit now uh, ahead of, in another chapter of your book. Because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have to go get this book, right? We're not going to reveal everything in this book. Um, so let's, let's, jump to, let's jump to chapter six. Prayer, what is it and is it necessary? Yeah, um, to me, one of the, again, each chapter in this book deals with a different foundational truth of the faith. There is a, a chapter for, for, you know, salvation. There's a chapter on prayer. There's a chapter on the Trinity. There's just different chapters on what I think are foundational. And prayer, to me, is one of the foundational truths of the Scriptures and the foundational responsibility mm. of every Christian that's been born again. Yeah. We are called to pray. We're told numerous times to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. Yeah. It's something that is a requirement. So I get into what prayer is, what it's supposed to be, um, and what it's not supposed to be. And then we talk about, is it necessary, and and why is it important that we do so? So that chapter kind of covers that. But prayer to me is, is intimacy with God. Mm. And really what, what struck me uh, with that, as, as I studied the Bible, is that when Jesus was in his earthly ministry, 
he's 100% human on his mother's side and 100% God on his father's side. So he is the God man and the only one in history and the only one that, that will ever be. Yep. So Jesus knows everything, has everything, and yet the Bible says he would take time to go into a mountain or to a separate quiet place alone and pray. Mm. He would sacrifice sleep to pray. And I always wondered why. It's not like there's anything he's missing. It's not like there's anything he needs. But it came to dawn on me in my study that prayer between Jesus and God the Father was intimacy. The way two best friends would get together who haven't seen each other in a week or two, Mm. and they sit down and they just catch up. Mm -hmm. And they just talk. And the conversation flows back and forth. And they have meaningful insight and understanding, and there's bonding there. And that's what Jesus was doing when he prayed. And that is what prayer is supposed to be when you and I are in right relationship with God. And please understand that we have to be in a right relationship with God. We can't have some sin that's burdening or saddling our lives that we refuse to repent of because you're not going to get anywhere with your prayer that way. The Bible's quite clear on that. But when we're in a right relationship with God and the sin has been confessed and we're clean, man, we have boldness to come into the throne room of God. The God who created all the universe welcomes Abe and he welcomes me and he welcomes every other believer in Jesus Christ. And he never says, do you have an appointment? I'm sorry. I don't have an appointment with you today. I don't have time for you. He always has that open door and so I get into a little bit of, of that in, in that chapter, mm. but that's what prayer is. It's intimacy with God, laying out uh, to God your thanks, your praise, your hopes, your dreams, your wonders, your troubles, your struggles. And mostly, I would guess 85% of your prayer life is probably about somebody else. Mm. Well, thank you for that. Now, let's, uh, let's jump up to one of the other chapter before uh, uh, we start landing the plane here. I mean, this is going by quickly. Yeah, no problem. Um, man, so let's talk about who our Savior is. You have a chapter here in Chapter 8 called The Suffering of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Can you just explain to our audience what is being uh, conveyed there in that chapter of our suffering Jesus? Well, the... the- there, there are certain things about about the scriptures that I don't think we can fully comprehend, and and one of those is how much Jesus willingly endured to save and redeem your soul and mine. Mm. God had a plan from before He ever created the entire world and universe, and the Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, Jesus was that Lamb that was already slain. Mm. So God Jesus. already knew the plan. God yes. already knew this was coming. Amen. In fact. I, I would I would submit to you, based on the authority of Scripture, that God never has a plan B, and the fall in the garden was not a plan B. That, I believe, is exactly what God had in mind in order to show forth his grace and the glory of his grace, which he talks about in the book of Ephesians as yes. well. One so, four, for sure. So what we have in that particular chapter is Jesus willing to go to a death that is much beyond anything you and I can possibly comprehend. And I would challenge, and I'm not telling you to do this, please don't, <laughs> but I would challenge you to do at least the concept mm. of having your child, let's say one of your children, in peril. Mm. And someone says, okay, look, I'm going to be able to rescue your child from peril, but here's what I'm going to need from you. I want you to stick your big finger in that door jam, that solid oak wood door jam, 
and I'm going to close that door. I'm going to slam that door where the hinges are. That's where your finger is going to go. So that door is going to catch those knuckles, and it's probably going to hopelessly and helplessly break that finger. You good with that? Most of us would sweat a little bit and say, yes, I am good with that. <laughs> and we'd stick our finger in to save our child's life. Now, uh, no, no, I want to do all 10 fingers, mm. one at a time. Most of us would we'd probably faint before we did that. Jesus went through a suffering that is beyond anything you and I can comprehend. Mm. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 52 that he was marred more than any man was marred. And I've seen some guys that have been pretty marred, none of them on purpose, by the way. Yeah. They were all beat up, either jumped or you know, something like that, and they mm. came out pretty beat up. But Jesus went through it willingly, yeah, knowing full well what was coming. And he was, and we talk about how he was beaten. We talk about how he was scourged, because the Bible says he was scourged after the beating. And then we talk about how he was crucified and the way the Romans would have done their crucifixion. Yeah. It was a horrendous death. Yeah. And I point the, the reader back to Psalm 22. Because Psalm 22 is a crucifixion psalm written from the perspective of Jesus hanging on that cross. Mm. For about the first 25 verses or so of that yeah. psalm, it is written from Jesus' point of view while he hangs on the cross. Then it jumps to the resurrection for the last few verses. But that's what that chapter is about. It details the, the, you know, the, the cattails with which he would have been whipped and how that would have dug into his flesh on each lashing, pulling flesh back out, things of that nature. It's really an amazing um amazing suffering that he went through on purpose just so that he could save you and me. Yeah. And, and, and again, uh, I really love that you do point, point that out that before the foundation of the world, he knew us. Yep. And before the foundation of the world, this is already planned out. Yep. I don't need to understand it completely because I won't. Right. But the, the, the Bible says it right. And, and that's it. And, and 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 I think most people realize, or most people think, at least I did growing up, that when Adam fell, it was like, oh, and God was up in heaven going, can you believe that guy? How could he fall? I gave him everything. It was perfect. God didn't have a plan B. That was the plan. That was the entire plan. And Adam walked right into it, and God led Jesus where he needed him to go to show forth the glory of his grace. Otherwise, how does God show his grace? Yeah, they wouldn't would be grace right i mean everybody would be getting the exact same thing there'd be no showing of grace at all and, and again i really love that you're bringing that up because there has been definitely a theolog theological debates about that right um that and and, and again we're not going to get into it because this is about your book but you guys got to remember that he is god and we're not that's exactly right for us to think and try to wrap our minds around that why that happened you know, we can we can we can have fun theological debates, you know, in house about that, you know, but there are people who have divided over stuff like this, you know, uh, because, you know, we can have a discussion about man's uh, free will and, and God's predestined plan. And and again, that's a long story. But what we can leave it at it is that God, like you said, had no plan B. Oh, he never has a plan B. No, right? for your life either, nor I, for mine. I, I never, and and this is one of, you know, we were talking about earlier, like, and you're like, how, how do you, and how did you end up down here from Chicago? And I said, well, it was God, you know. That's ultimately why I'm down here. God moving the pieces of time, right, and moving me from a place that I was born and bred my whole life, right, and he's like, all right, Abe, you're done here. Time to move down to South Texas. 
I didn't know it at the time. Right. And still, I don't know. I can't see the complete picture. But, you know, I am sitting right here talking to you who I've never met before. Right. And you're telling me about your room. We're talking about Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And and there are people on the other end listening to, to this all over the world who get to hear your voice in your book and you get to you get to preach Jesus and him crucified to them. Amen. And I think that's really I, I find that remarkable. And you know what? There's gonna be you know what you know you know what the cool thing about too just God's sovereign plan and everything. He's sovereign, right? And, and, and we're not gonna there's a lot in that that I know that by God's grace that I hopefully when I get to that time when he takes me out, right? He's gonna take me out of this earth, uh uh in in his in his timing, that I'm sure that I'm gonna get to meet people that I didn't even know that I impacted and you're going to meet people and that we're going to love each other perfectly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like I can't, I can't, that I have a hard time wrapping. One of the things I ever, that I get to love somebody perfectly, innocently. And there's like, I was like, you know, and I can't, and that's the love that Christ has given, given to us through his sacrifice. You know, there, there's a chapter towards the end of this book and, and I'm not trying to, Bring everything back to this book, but you're bringing up <laughs> oh, a yeah, subject. Yeah, this is you're your, bringing, book. you're bringing up a subject that that I've I've had many a conversation with mm. with my Sunday school class and with many people just in the streets. But the day is coming when God, in His heavenly glory that He's designed for His people, is going to have every believer that has ever existed throughout time, mm. from Adam to whenever the last person is, and we will all know each other as if we've been best of friends since we were two. Mm. There will be no stranger we'll ever meet in heaven. There will be no, hey, I'm sorry, who are you? Uh, uh, I think we're going to know everybody in it with the deepest of intimacy. Mm. And there will be everybody you meet, one gigantic, happy family reunion where everybody is living in perfect love, yeah. perfect harmony, and perfect understanding of one another. Yeah, and especially, uh, you know, uh, it's Thanksgiving, right? And uh, I was re- I was reminded yesterday. Sometimes when we go to our family gatherings during this these holidays, there's some people in our family member we just don't want to be around. Yeah, I'll, I'll be around, right? Like, come on, everybody, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, don't be like, oh, uh, yeah. that uh, that's exactly right, man. Let yeah. me tell you, every family's got one. And if yeah. you're having, I, I preached a sermon about two years <laughs> ago on this. I said, listen, every family's got a goof. And if you're having a hard time figuring out who the goof in your family is, I got a secret for you. It's you. <laughs> yeah, but in heaven it won't be that it way. No it goofs. Won't be, it won't be that way. And 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 I think that's a really cool thing. I was reminded uh, on Sunday again that uh, you know, the the thing or when we get to heaven, what is the one thing that we're looking for? Are we looking for our Lord our Lord Jesus or the benefits of heaven? And that was a reminder. It's like, no. Hold on a second. By the time I get there, right, it's him who I I'm going to be. That's all you're going to care about, and And you'll get the rest of you'll get the rest of it by fringe benefit. Yeah, but it's Jesus. It's Jesus, you know. And 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 again, I think that uh, Paul reminded the 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 Thessalonian church, you know, in Thessalonica, (laughs) that hey, yes, your your loved ones who died in Christ, they'll be there. But you know what? The most important thing that you're going to look forward to 
it's Jesus. Absolutely right. It's going to be Jesus. Absolutely right. And and it's hard to comprehend that when you've never hung out with Jesus and went cruising in the car with Jesus down yeah. the street or ever gone jogging <laughs> with Jesus. But let me tell you something. For the saved person in heaven, Jesus is all we're going to care about. And then we will just have each other as praise partners and friends and the closest of compadres as we go through the heavenly system that God has set up for us. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope to visit your mansion in heaven uh, when we get there. The door so, won't have locks yeah. on it. You're welcome <laughs> that's, to come right that's on right. in. <laughs> well, uh, Tommy, uh, this has been absolutely fabulous to have you on. You know, Romans ten fourteen says, "How will they call on him who they not believe? And how will they believe in him who they not heard? And how would they hear without a preacher?" Amen. Tommy, can you share the gospel to our worldwide audience today? Absolutely. It'd be my privilege. In the, I hate to say this again, but the last chapter of my book <laughs> deals with how to get saved. Mm. And I take the reader back to the, to the land of Israel. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. The land of Egypt, when mm. the Israelites are under the direction of Moses, when God is leading them out and they're getting ready to leave. And God has been performing these miracles in Egypt and God lays out the rules for the Exodus. He says, I want you all to have a Passover. I want you all to have a Passover supper, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to kill a, a, the, the, the lamb or the ram, and you're going to take the blood. You're going to put it on the doorposts. You're going to go inside. You're going to stay in the house all night long. I'm going to send the destroyer. When the destroyer comes, he's going to be looking for the blood on the, on the doorpost. And if the blood is there, nobody will be harmed in that house. If the blood is not there, the firstborns all will be gone. Okay, well, as ridiculous as that probably sounded during the time that Moses was giving that instruction, we are called to believe the word of God, not to sit there and try and sift and, and analyze it and rationalize it. So God came looking that night for the blood, and where the blood was found, there was safety. Mm -hmm. Where the blood was not found, there was death. That continues to be the theme today. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ has shed his blood, and God is looking for the blood of Jesus Christ on the hearts of his people. And he is going to be looking for the blood of Jesus Christ on my heart and on yours. And if it's painted on our hearts by faith, the destroyer is going to pass us by and we're going to have peace and no death. If God comes and sees a heart that is full of religious works or full of whatever it is that you think brings you peace, but there's no blood of Jesus Christ, the destroyer is going to come in and you will meet that second death and you'll meet the great white throne judge uh, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. So you and I are called by the gospel of Jesus Christ to come before God humbly and to confess our sins and to say, Lord, God Almighty, I have sinned before you. My life is a wreck without you. I confess my sin to you. I ask that you please forgive me of my sin. And I ask that Jesus Christ save me, for I know he died for me spread and sprinkle his blood on my heart that I too may be saved by his work. And I think that once we do that, we're saved. Amen. Well, thank you uh, for sharing the gospel. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we care about your souls. Again, and this is why we end the podcast with the gospel. So uh, Thomas Ramirez III, where can people find you if you wanted to be found, are you on social media? Uh, where can they get your book uh, besides here at Bridge? Well, you know, I don't do social media, which I guess is a sad thing for for 
but I'm 56 and I can plead ignorance. <laughs> but um, I I live in in South Texas. I live in the in the uh, little community of Divine D E V I N E. So I'm really easy to find. I'm the only lawyer in that whole area. There you go. So I'm a lawyer in Divine, easy to find. Um, but as far as the book goes, it is available through all major retailers. Okay. You should be able to find it through any major retailer, whether it's Barnes & Noble, online, Amazon, online, eBooks, Kindle books, whatever. You should be able to find it on any of those on those areas. It's just a matter of getting in there, searching Biblical Christian Fundamentals, and uh, you might even have to type in Ramirez maybe. But it should pop right up. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is a book— uh Again, looks like you would be able to just grab a group of people and go through it. I mean, you can read it in the village, but it looks like a book that you can just grab a, a group of people, go through these fundamentals, truth as a group. And I think that would be uh, really awesome. You know, especially here at Bridge, we promote going through books as groups so that, uh, you know, we're bouncing off these truth off of each uh, of each, each other. So, yeah. Uh, Biblical Christian Fundamentals, the Foundation Truth of the Christian Faith by Thomas Ramirez III by Triology Publishing. So, guys, go get the book. Um, if you can't find a book, well, he you can find it on Amazon. So, you know, we're not living in the Stone Age. So you can go out and get in there and, uh, yeah, grab a grab a group of people and go through this book. You would be blessed. I, I have a um, – and this book has not been out very long, but, but it's been out long enough that I already have uh, – an individual that's told me that he is now using that book as part of a teaching ministry in oh, a church wow. up in the Dallas area. Oh, wow. So it's being used uh, apparently in, in some form or fashion up there for that. And I've had uh, a pastor out of Oklahoma indicate to me that he is trying to order these in bulk to run into prisons around the country oh, to wow. put it behind bars with prisoners who are seeking Jesus Christ. Oh, amen. Well, we, uh, we, we pray that the Lord... Uh, we'll continue to do uh, his work through you, through this book, and then uh, people may come to know the true God of this universe in the prison system. Amen. And I pray that God does exactly that with with not only that book, but with the ministry that you all have here at Bridge Ministries and in, in the in the reaching out you all do with the gospel through the platform that God has given you, because he's given you a very different platform than he's given me. That's but right. we work together for the same boss and with the same goal. Exactly. So I pray that your ministry flourishes. Yes. Irrespective that, of what happens with mine, your job is to do yours and mine's to do mine. Yeah. And and again, guys, uh, we're not in competition. Right. Uh, we as Christian need to remind ourselves that because, again, we were having a conversation before the podcast. Guys, we are not in competition. We serve the same boss, right, with the same purpose and goal. Yes, your gifts are different than my gifts. Your purpose will be different than my purpose because God has preordained that. So let's remember that. Let's let's stop fighting about how many people are sitting in my church, in your church, you know, because, you know, you are a shepherd, you know, if and if you're a shepherd, you need to be humble and lowly, right? And 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 again, you know, I'm excited what God is doing here, especially in South Texas. So, Tommy, thank you for coming on to Bridge Radio. And uh, thank you for coming in today and uh, having a book signing here at Bridge. Uh, uh, you know, we look forward. Uh, we'll release this podcast uh, here pretty soon. And uh, hopefully everybody is blessed through your book. Well, I very much appreciate the privilege of being here with you guys, especially when it comes to talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, mm. who's, who gave his last drop of blood just for my soul 
Apparently he likes me. And he did the same thing for you, brother. And I thank you for the privilege of, of being here. And I pray the Lord bless all that we're doing to bring souls into his kingdom. Yes. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Brother Thomas Ramirez III on his new book, Biblical Christian Fundamentals, The Foundation Truth of the Christian Faith by Triology Publishing. You know, um, I was really excited to have him on here. He is a local guy who wrote a book. Uh, we don't get too many of those here. Uh, I'm, not that we don't have authors here in Laredo, but uh, again, there hasn't been too many local authors authors that are writing Christian books and as a ministry excuse me as a ministry uh, we encourage uh, people you know if God is moving you to write a book you know uh, a solid biblical book uh, you know we are all for it and we would love to have you uh, here and promote your book uh, because we want to encourage reading uh, you know, one of the things that we're doing, even on the Spanish side of Bridge Espanol, is that we are encouraging encouraging Hispanic uh, community, Hispanic community, uh, to read more. Uh, again, because um, it's one of those things that you will be blessed. You know, we have to read our Bibles. There's a lot of great books out there that can just help us grow. But we're always going to be in the book, our our, our Bible, uh, to get truth. What. Our Lord Jesus has already spoken. Well, um, again, uh, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And like we always like to end the show, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Till next week, guys. Till next week.